This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Brandon Worth here, alongside Joe Nagy, and a new face. We have our buddy Q on here. Quentin Zinger, what is going on, Q? Hey, not much. Just special guest today. Feels good to be here. Good good to have you, Q. Absolutely. Good to have new guests on the show, and if you want to be one yourself, you know what to do. Go follow us on Twitter at the MVSP and shoot us a message, and we can make it happen. There are guests um, starting to come on the show regularly, so get at it, or you might lose your spot. Very, very exciting. But as we start in, we have Monday Night Football recap, the Steelers and Giants game, which was very, very valuable to Joe's fantasy football team, as we talked about how no chance he had Ladies and gentlemen, he won this week. I well went, done, Joe. I went Congratulations. In, I went in with a 10-point deficit, and Juju was projected with 8 points, and I still won. And you were going up against Saquon. I was Saquon. going against Saquon, and I still and won. And you were down It was an points. easy dig out. You know, we fought back, came from the trenches, did what we had to do to win. So Joe is in the dub category. I'm in the dub category. A lot of other guys in the dub category. But it's only week one, so you never know. But, I plan to win every game. Okay, Joe. That's a big prediction. <laughs> that there's a lot of season left, buddy. Yeah, Joe's Joe's going for the win because he's only in one this year, but we'll see how that goes. But also in the dub category, the Steelers came out on top, 26-16 against the Giants, and this game had some struggles, especially out of the backfield. Really, not the great greatest of nights for Saquon Barkley and James Conner. Both guys pretty much. As far as fantasy and just regular um, game value, pretty pretty low. I mean, it was it was a struggle for them running the ball. I mean, Benny Snell did absolutely phenomenal for the Steelers. He had 113 yards on 19 carries. Connor only had six carries for a whopping nine yards. Like that's not great. Efficiency. What do you mean? That's not efficient at all. I'm just okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then Saquon had even a worse stat line. 15 carries. Six yards. He got outran by Daniel Jones. That's what we like to see for my fantasy team right there. Yeah. Keep that up. Yeah, Saquon comes in just he, he's already, he wasn't himself. He's already secured the bag. Why not just play worse? But, I mean, honestly, though, it's it was kind of interesting to see. I mean, both teams, I mean, they did pretty all right. Steelers kind of had it out the back in the first half. Um, nobody scored in the second half, but they really just didn't let off the gas at all. Ben Roethlisberger had a total of 229 yards. Three TDs, no interceptions, and then on the other side, Daniel Jones. He had two interceptions, so anytime you really have that, it's going to be tough for a team to win. Um, but, I mean, like I said, Steelers, they had control basically throughout the whole game. They were in the lead. They didn't let up. I mean, it was their game to lose. It was a good comeback for Ben. Yep. Go Big Ben. Especially Definitely. After, after everything that's transpired in his life on and off the field the last couple of um, years, you could say. That's definitely a, a nice thing to see Big Ben on top. I mean, he had a 117 rating in that game. Yeah. He, was, he was very good. He was fantastic. He was efficient. Um, the def- the defensive line, the steel curtain for the Steelers definitely held their own, especially set- shutting down Saquon Barkley and even T.J. Watt getting a pick off of Daniel Jones. I mean, they definitely prove why they're considered one of the top defenses in the NFL right now. Yeah, they're they're so valuable, not only on a fantasy league, but also just for 
that division, having a strong defense is going to be really tough, especially for who they play. But, I mean, going back to Ben Roethlisberger with that start that he did have and how well he did play, it's weird because Ben Roethlisberger is, like, one of the last quarterbacks, I mean, other than Drew Brees and Tom Brady, that we grew up watching that we that is a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's going to be weird seeing him go. And we kind of saw that with Mason Rudolph, that kind of new wave of quarterbacks coming in. But, I mean, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on kind of like those that new era of quarterbacks coming in. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And, like, there's guys that we've now, like, passed on now, like the Mannings, even Tony Romo, those guys we really grew up watching that were in the leagues for such a long time, and now they're gone. And now we might have to say goodbye eventually to, like, Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers at some point, which will be, like, it'll just be weird. But, I mean, with the new quarterbacks we have coming in, Kyler, Lamar, those guys, I mean, Joe Burrow has the potential to be that great Tua as well. I mean, it's going to be really, really exciting to see that we have we have good quarterbacks in store. I feel like we're we're going to be pretty safe at that position. And then even we we can really put Patrick in there too. I mean, he's a little bit more of a veteran, but I mean, the dude can ball, and that's why he was the MVP last year. There's just a lot of talent with this new coming quarterback Absolutely. class. I mean, especially running vision on the field. Mm-hmm. It's a new era, really, too, because I mean, we really didn't see that too much compared to uh, to who we grew up watching. Oh, I no. mean, maybe. I mean, honestly, I can't really think of anyone because Tom well, Brady defenses never really aren't was. really built anymore to stop yeah. the QB draw. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, uh, Burrow had a touchdown off one. Yep. I, I I know when we look at the stat lines, we see a lot more quarterbacks kind of getting in that in that rushing category where they're one of the top rushers on the team. I mean, we see that with Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. It's gonna it's a new wave of quarterbacks, and it's weird to see that kind of style that we saw for all those years kind of starting to go out of style and uh, kind of like. I'm interested to see how coaches are going to adapt to that, especially how, I mean, the Ravens have adapted to it. Chiefs have adapted to it. Bill Belichick starting to adapt to it now that he has Cam. Yeah. After we saw such a quarterback-heavy, like Tom Brady just sitting back in the pocket, that type of play that we've seen for the last 20 years from them, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, and especially now it's opened the waves for a lot of dynamic coordinators, guys like Kyle Shanahan, um, guys like – um. I was going to say Darren Bevel, but we don't need to talk about that. But um, <laughs> but uh, Eric Bieniemy, that's the one I really should have said, um, that are really utilizing the quarterback position in a lot of different ways, especially in Baltimore even too. That It's not just quarterbacks aren't meant to just throw. They're meant, they're meant to run too. And, I mean, Lamar giving all of his, oh, yeah, I'm just a running back because I'm taking everybody, like just beating everybody in the regular season, running for 100 yards and passing for 200. It's like, how do you defend that? That's like yeah. a Madden stat. That's like a Madden stat line. Yeah, and now you're getting more like defensive players coming up. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, absolute just beast on the field. You know, now you can't pass, and you know he's a good tackler. Can't run from him. Just either. everyone's getting better. Yeah. I feel like just the league. In, we're in, we're seeing a new a new like style of football. Every it's a lot faster. It's a lot more about efficiency. Not nec- not as much. I wouldn't say toughness isn't as like emphasize but it's definitely not like we're not seeing a lot much of old-fashioned smash mouth football that we are we've been accustomed yeah. to seeing for the last it's, 20 years. it's not as hard-nosed anymore it's yeah. more about yeah. athleticism and and what you can do kind of before you even get the ball and stuff like that yeah i would say it's a lot more passing passing oriented i would say for yeah. sure and it's developed a lot of good receivers like juju had a good night last night he had two touchdowns and an excellent touchdown celebration when he laid down and stared at the pylon cam i thought that was great that was um, funny. darius slayton had a like, great night for the giants i feel like he's really been an underrated guy for them i mean six catches 102 yards out outpaced sterling Shepard and evan ingram in the receiving department which was going to be a question mark coming into this season 
But even like Pittsburgh, you got guys like Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, James Washington, all these young guys that are stepping up and really making plays now. Because, I mean, it's really kind of been a downfall for the receivers since they've lost guys like Heinz Ward and then Santonio Holmes and all of those guys that were just old, reliable guys that could always give you dominance night after night. But it's it's really exciting to see all these young guys really in the NFL, really excelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking of young guys, coming up tomorrow night uh, for young quarterbacks, uh, Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield, Battle of Ohio, are going to be coming down to the wire. Um, it's going to be an exciting game, especially for how they they played last week. Didn't have, I mean, they didn't really have the uh, situation that they wanted to. Browns got basically blown out by the Ravens. Had a tough matchup for that one, and then the Bengals. Joe Burrow loses his first game. Probably had those rookie jitters. He did have an interception against the uh, Chargers. It's just going to be tough, but it's interesting to see kind of these two young, dynamic quarterbacks go on for the Battle of Ohio. Yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. And, I mean, right now if you're a Browns fan, you, you're really hoping they win this game because if you don't, it's going to be it's going to be a question mark if Baker's going to be finishing out the season at quarterback as far as how he's played because, mm-hmm. I mean, looking at, looking at the talent around Baker Mayfield, I mean – Kareem Hunt is your backup. You have Nick Chubb, OD, OBJ, you got Jarvis Landry, and you got now Jaku, Austin Hooper. You got all you, you have need the tools to be successful on offense. But when you're turning the ball over and not making good decisions, you're not putting your your team a good opportunity to win the game. I mean, yeah, I mean, like we've talked about that last year when we saw Jarvis and Odell, or was it last year or the year before when they first linked up in mm-hmm. in since or Cleveland. It was something that we thought was going to be a game changer. Like the Browns were going to get out of that slump of being 0-16. We thought they were going to be able to turn the page, do stuff like that. But we really haven't seen anything. I mean, we've seen a better season, but we haven't seen anything crazier out of the blue. I mean, they, they're 0-1 this year. They were – were they barely 500 last year? They, they didn't even make the playoffs. It's they just something that if they, don't, if they don't have – if they don't make the playoffs with the assets that they have, with as good of a receiving lineup that they have – with Kareem Hunt and these new add-ons, like you said, we're going to question whether it's going to be Baker still at the quarterback, if he's going to be there next year, who's going to be there next year, or what the assets they're going to have, depending on how they play this year. And that's that's where a lot of pressure comes on Baker. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to be a step-up and be the team player he needs to be. I mean, yeah, I, we saw it at Oklahoma. He had that leadership opportunities. He was yeah. able to get the Heisman. He was able to bring them to the playoffs. He has the talent. But it just seems like he's forgetting what he did at Oklahoma when he was so good. And he's starting to be – I feel like he's starting to get lackadaisical and way more lazy at quarterback, especially with the decisions he's been making. I yeah. think it's because he, he feels like he just has an open field to throw to with his receivers. Yeah, it's it's really a, a weird scenario because it's it's been this long. We've changed coordinators, but it like the success isn't there. So now the next guy you're looking at is quarterback. And I mean, you look at Mayfield's stats; he's not he's not been great. I mean, mm. he's been he's I wouldn't say like Jameis esque, but when you look at TD to interception ratio, it's kind of looking towards one to one as far as his career goes. And I mean, I mean last year when these guys played, which the Bengals did win, is they won their second game of the season. <laughs> at that point but um they they really they mean they finished six and ten last year and then they lost to the two and 14 Bengals and that was not a great game for Baker I mean he threw for two 279 he had three picks and basically Cincinnati they didn't have to worry about throwing the ball because Joe Mixon carried them the whole way with 162 yards and two TDs so and that was Andy Dalton's team now you got Joe Burrow's team which 
by what we've already heard is a much more dynamic team than with mm-hmm. Andy Dalton at the helm because there's no no offense to Andy Dalton. I mean, he's he's probably one of the better backups now in the league behind Dak Prescott because he has that that instant starter um, leadership, that role that he's taken. I mean, he's taken the Bengals to the playoffs before. They didn't unfortunately win, but especially in the Marvin Lewis era, excuse me. Yeah. But you're right now if you're the Bengals, I mean, you should have won in week one against the Chargers, missed – missed the stinking kick but um like they had the opportunity to win that game and with joe in his first game and the receivers looked great mixon had an off night he only had 60 yards and a fumble which coming in to face that charters defense was expected more of him i mean fantasy wise i think he was projected like 16 points he ended up with like four four or five or six or something like that so they definitely need more out of mixon if they want to win this game but I mean, if you're the Browns and you don't win this game, everyone's going to start being on the hot seat for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a statement game from Joe Burrow as well because there's already critics on him. I mean, not being able to beat the the Chargers, a kind of – I mean, we've seen it last year with Phillip Rivers. They had kind of a chance to have some success, but now that they got kind of a a little bit of a rookie core, not not totally, but – it's going to be coming down to right now if he's going to be able to win the Battle of Ohio, if he's going to be able to play well against a pretty solid Browns team and be able to beat Baker on the offensive side. It's going to be tough, but I feel like Joe Burrow has it in him. I I think that the Bengals are going to be able to pull it out, especially with, I mean, coming off this tough loss against Baltimore. Cleveland is going to try to get back into the mindset that they got to get something going. But, I mean, we've seen it last year where they – where they had those tough losses and they just go on a little spree of two or three losses in a row and they can't get back. Yeah, that's definitely going to be the the biggest thing is can they bounce back? And I feel like if the Browns do win this game, which I mean, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and make the pick for the Browns. I think they can bounce back. I'm not I'm not fully confident that they're going to. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm putting all my chips on the Browns right now because especially after they play week one. I understand it's the Ravens. Ravens are a really good team. They're probably one of the AFC leaders right now this year for sure. But – the way they played just it wasn't crisp. It wasn't great. I mean, um, and I do understand, like, Baker's point is, I mean, Odell had eight targets and only three catches, and everybody was like, how would you not get him the ball? But when you watch the game, he, there was a couple of those passes where that were thrown his way that that you just – like, you just can't force a throw to a receiver just because, like, it's, I mean, it's Odell. And if, but he's covered in a crossing route. That doesn't mean you have to try to get him the ball just because he's Odell Beckham Jr. Throw to the open guy. Make a check down. Do what you can with your running backs. Like, you got to make those more decisions. Don't worry about, like, if there's a receiver on the field that's open, give him the ball. It doesn't have to mean that you don't have to give it to your main guy 14, 15 times. Now, obviously, if you're Devontae Adams and get open every play like last week, that's different. But Odell, I mean, they he was covered quite a bit on that game, which is why he didn't catch very many passes. But I'll, I'll pick the Browns. I think they can't. I think Kevin Stefanski is going to really make his point that they can bounce back. I really think that if Baker can turn it around and stay turnover-free and make good decisions, they can win this game, especially with the running game and the receivers. I think they can be explosive. But it, it is going to be a question mark if they can pull this out. I'm gonna take the Bengals. I'm completely honest. good man. Yeah, that's not that's not a bad pick at all. I, yeah, I, I can completely understand. This that. is a huge deciding factor for two NFL careers. You have Joe Burrow, who just came into the league, and who wants to make a name for himself, and you also have Baker Mayfield, who's been there for three years already, not really making a name for himself. Yeah. yeah Either way, someone's gonna have a career after this game. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna. I feel like it's Baker Mayfield's game. He has to win this game, really, because mm-hmm. he was. 
when he came into Cleveland, he was the guy who was going to be the savior for that team, who was going to change the way that that team operated, and he was going to basically the savior because they were 0-16 when he came in, and he was able to, I mean, have a pretty good year at the start, but now he's kind of fallen off and he's kind of slowed down a little bit. And for Joe Burrow, he doesn't want to have that kind of Baker Mayfield-type career so far. He wants to make a statement here, come in hard, get the win, and if he doesn't, then, I mean, I feel like people are going to be talking, oh, it's going to be a new light for Baker. He has a chance now. He's starting to be on the comeback. And if he, if Joe Burrow doesn't win, people are, it's, he's going to be starting in the bust uh, conversation. Yeah, I feel if Burrow can play well enough and if Baker turns the ball over, this is the Bengals' game to lose because I, I certainly think that it's, it's going into a game. I feel like the coordinators have to know that Baker's going to make a mistake at some point just because of – the numbers that he puts up as far as turnovers with bad throws, you see that every game, but the stuff that he brings to the table that he can do keeps him in the lineup because he can throw the deep ball really well. Mm -hmm. And he's got really good arm strength, but that'll be an exciting game to watch as it's Thursday and everybody's ready for the weekend. And we'll have a nice game to watch as we move over to the team that we had a nice chat about last Nice episode. The Detroit Lions. I am wearing my Lions sweatshirt. I don't care about week one. This is week two. I don't want to talk about week one anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about it. We're playing the Packers at Lambeau. I am a little bit nervous after watching last week. I am still frustrated. But I feel like the Lions could still play well. But the biggest thing is, is if we can't get our guys on the field, our young studs on the field, I don't know what we're going to do to try to beat the Packers. It's going to come down to one word, and it's finish. Last week, we were in control the whole time. We let off the gas and let them score three straight touchdowns, and we end up losing. And then everyone just says, oh, that's classic Detroit Lions football. If we can finish, if we get in the lead and keep our foot on the pedal, keep our foot on their necks and just finish the game, we can beat the Packers. We can beat any. Well, we can't beat anybody. I don't think we can beat, like, anybody like the – Buccaneers are like the Saints, but anybody in our division, if we just keep the foot on our pe- on the pedal, there's no telling what we can do. Because honestly, last week, if if we just got some of our young guys in there, and especially just got some more open looks for Matt Stafford in the fourth quarter, it would have been a totally different game. But it's going to come down to today, or sorry, excuse me, Sunday when we play the Packers. If we are able to pull out this win, it's going to be a news story for the season. And it's a big game in Lambeau. You got a lot of young talent on either team coming in. And especially the receiving team for the Lions, I think you're offering a lot of wide-open targets to hit for Stafford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cephas, I talked about a lot on our last episode. He was he was great. I mean, I mean, he didn't get all the catches, but he was getting open. I mean, he was getting opportunities. As a rookie coming in and getting 10 targets in your first game, that's something that even the best receivers that came in didn't get those type of numbers. So yeah. it's expected a lot out of him. Yeah, I, he's got to fill Galladay's role as he's still questionable on the, the status report as of yesterday. Now Desmond Trufant is now on the injury report, and that scares me even more because we just lost Justin Coleman, and Okuda's on the report too. Like, it's, w- I don't want to have to deal with watching the plan. Devontae like Adams dissolving, really. I don't want to see Devontae Adams getting like played against no. by our rookie corners. I mean, yeah. I mean, speaking of Devontae Adams, that whole Green Bay Packers receiving team. When the draft came around and everyone was speculating why Green Bay didn't take, why they picked Jordan Love as their first and they didn't get any receivers or anything, we all speculated. But last week they showed that they can actually play. 
Scanling had a touchdown. We talked about this on the last episode. Devontae Adams had two touchdowns. Alan Lazard had one touchdown. They showed that they don't need that new cord that they that people were speculating that they needed. So it's going to come down, like you said, to if we're going to be able to defend that pass game with so many of our key defenders out. Yeah, it's going to be one of the games. And for once, actually, we're going to be at Lambeau, and it's not going to be like negative 20 out. It's supposed to be like 60 degrees, I think they said at kickoff. Recipe so, for success. Dude. So maybe this is maybe this is our time. But, I mean, like usually when you go to Lambeau, it's always like freezing, and you're going to have to really figure out what you're going to do um, weather-wise to really get a good game plan in. It's, but, I mean, it, sh- it should be a really good game because I think Whenever, whenever the NFC NFC North teams play each other, regardless of really, I mean, the Lions gave the Packers and Vikings runs last year as three and nine when going into the last half of, or quarter yeah. of the of the season. So I feel like any of these games are going to be really a toss up. And I mean, we watched both of the games last week. Packers won by like I think it was nine or eleven, and then the Lions game came down to three points. So I, it's going to be a good game. It's just how long will it stay in the Packers' favor, I feel like, is really what's going to be. Because the way they can just controlled the tempo last week against Minnesota, that frightens me a little bit just because, I mean, with Detroit, we have a lot of – we took advantage of a lot of opportunities, especially, like, starting from the 40 or midfield where we moved the ball down enough to get a field goal in. But if they carry the ball down the field and we have to start from the 20 after eight minutes just sitting and watching the Packers slowly chop their way down the field it's going to be something that we're really going to have to see if they can really put a drive together because last week they kind of struggled as far as getting long drives together because it was it just the defense was just too stifling for the Bears that time yeah I it's going to come down to if our our new kind of defense look especially with so many of us are gone are going to be able to stop Aaron Rodgers and his veteran mindset, as well as him being able to toy with this with this new group of receivers that he has, it's I mean it's scary, but I think the Lions do have a chance because we showed we showed a promise last week. But I mean, if we finish and if we get in the lead and we're able to just keep going, I it's our game to lose, really. Uh, I think the only problem going in is that the Lions are looking at you know just straight up man to man defense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's gonna be a big problem, especially when you know you have an arm like Rodgers behind the Packers, who yeah, who's deadly in crunch time too. Oh yeah, yeah. We played. I mean, Trufant and um, Coleman. They had some. They had some pretty good games on Sunday as far as being a man to man. But now that those two might not be healthy, and now you're gonna go against Devontae Adams and Mark. Marquez Valdez Scantling, which don't give him any disrespect whatsoever. And the guy's a great receiver; he can make big plays. So I feel like the deep ball is going to be definitely a big factor. If the Packers can get the deep ball in and make those big plays, we're going to be in rough shape. But if we can stop them and have them try to just short chop their way down the field, and we can stop them one time in the third down, then we can try to take advantage. But if they get the deep ball, and I would agree, Q, it's probably going to be a wrap. But I mean, I don't want. I really want to say the Lions are going to win this game, but oh, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like Lions fan at heart, yeah. I I I, I we always like, want them to, but we really always got to look at the. I mean, at the negatives first. Yeah, and I, I know we said we're not looking back, but still, Week One Lions. It's it's just rough. I mean, the Packers are favored sixty eight percent in this game in the matchup predictor by ESPN, and I feel like that's a pretty fair. A fair estimate is I, I feel like Green Bay will probably win this game. Obviously, I'm going to root for the Lions. Yeah. I'm I'm wanting them to win as an underdog. That'll just show us the hard work we've put in. But 
Rodgers, the way he's been playing, their receiving core, their offense, and their defense didn't play terrible. They gave up a little bit to the Vikings in the fourth quarter when they made their look run there, yeah. but not that much worrying about them as far as making like just absolutely like letting us score. I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm I'm going to say the Packers are probably going to win. Mm-hmm. But all the factors are pointing to a Packers win. Yeah. It's I, hard not to pick. Yeah, it's it's, it's really hard. hard Especially at Lambeau, too. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough lot. It's going to be a tough game, but uh, Packers, I feel like, are going to be able to take it. But, I mean, even uh, – and then when we move on to Sunday, too, with the Ravens and Texans, that's a pretty big game that I'm looking forward to as well. Two young quarterbacks with Lamar Jackson and uh, Deshaun Watson. We saw a little bit of a glimpse of what uh, the season is going to look like for Lamar with a big win over the Browns. And also the Texans, uh, they lost to the – Excuse me, they lost to the Chiefs, but they still had a Deshaun still had a pretty big day against them. So I'm pretty excited what this is gonna end up to, but what are you guys' thoughts on it? It's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. It's at Houston. I mean, obviously home crowd isn't gonna be that much of a a really big factor just due to the COVID situation and there not being very many spectators. And that's for any team really. Yeah, for any team. I mean, really it's a neutral site game, is really what all these are. But I mean, Baltimore is um I mean, they showed how great they were last year, and it wasn't a fluke, and they put it together last Sunday against Cleveland. I mean, I, I it, think it's Cleveland, but it, they still played really well. They, yeah, they they did what they had to do. They they crushed Cleveland, and that was definitely the idea. Is would they crush Cleveland going in? And they certainly did that. But I mean, this could be a really big off like high scoring game. I believe the over under is at fifty one. So or fifty one and a half. I'm sorry. Um, but it'll be it, it could be a really high scoring game. I mean the the Texans defense looks spotty on Thursday. Um, the Ravens obviously did their job against Baker Mayfield, forced some turnovers. But it'll I feel like this is the Ravens game to lose. I mean Houston really didn't play terrible against Kansas City. They just had a, a dry spell from after their first touchdown. They really couldn't score after that for a long time. So if they can put together touchdowns every couple of drives, they're going to be in good shape. But, I mean, with Deshaun Watson, I know we stressed this um, on Monday that he really needs to get, like, he really needs to have weapons around that he can trust throwing the football to. Because, I mean, Will Fuller had a big week last week. He was trusted a lot. But after that, I mean, you're looking at guys like Brandon Cooks. You're looking at guys like Randall Cobb. Can they really be that much of a factor in the game? To bring them over the hump because you know David Johnson can get you 70 80 yards in his normal workload and that's going to be enough to move the ball on third mm-hmm. down get enough on first down really open things up but after that can you get those big plays can you get those big passes like that we saw with having DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller on the field with Watson a couple years ago we just, they just really are missing DeAndre Hopkins right now and they just need those receivers to pick up the volume that he really had when he was there and this is a big game for the Texans. They don't want to start the season 0-2 yes. right off the bat. Especially with kind of how much hype they had around them this year as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, even losing DeAndre Hopkins, like you said, Brandon. I mean, but when you look at it, too, when they played the Chiefs last week, Deshaun Watson didn't have one of his best outings either. He had one interception, only, what was it, two, two, one touchdown as well. I mean, mm-hmm. and 253 yards. That's yep. not his best performance he's ever had. Of course, he played the Chiefs, which is one of the best defenses in the NFL. They won a Super Bowl. And it's going to be tough for anybody to really perform against them. But it's going to come down to it's really a battle of mindsets right now. After a tough loss, they're going to go up against a team who just won 38-6 to against the Browns, who are ready to repeat that after this, repeat that this week. 
And if he doesn't come in and fix it up and start to clean it up, especially on the throwing side, and he's able to perform well against this defense, especially a tough defense at that, it's going to come down to if Deshaun Watson's able to clean clean up his act. Yeah, yeah I sure. think you're going to see a high-scoring game, definitely. But uh, definitely Ravens coming out on top. A uh, lot more talent, a lot more skill. You know, when we're talking about this new era of quarterbacks and it all started, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've – like 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 we've been talking about it's two it's two new looks for this team too because they're they're facing off two very different teams from what they faced last week. Mm-hmm. The Ravens are going to be facing a way tougher defense. The Texans are going to be facing an easier defense, but it's still going to come down to whether those two great those two young great quarterbacks are going to perform and lead that team. And I think really the Texans do have a chance, but I think Lamar and the Ravens are going to be able to pull it out. Yeah, and looking at like the the pre the preview stats, you have like both of these teams have had the the first first week putting up 370 yards offensively and allowing it basically defensively. So these 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 two teams were both allowing yards. I mean points was really the big difference, especially with the Ravens only allowing six points despite Cleveland's 327 yards. But I mean Lamar didn't have as much of a running factor in the Cleveland game. I really don't think he needed to. I mean, looking at the game, I mean, the Ravens were st- the, the Ravens were just moving the ball in the air and on the ground without having to have Lamar do his thing. So, that could be a big time big time thing that can open up, especially the Texans um front seven who were looked pretty vulnerable against um CEH on Thursday night. I mean, he had 160 yards in his debut. I mean, that's just that's ballistic for a rookie. So, it's going to be it's going to be a situation where you're going to have to watch to see how the Texans try to change it because they did a lot of, like, flip-flopping stuff. They put J.J. Watt inside in the interior on the defense as far as moving guys around. So they've really been trying to switch up things and change things up against the Chiefs. Obviously, they didn't – I mean, the Chiefs offensive line did a great job, especially with the Texans, how they were really – their camp talk was about how the, the front seven was changing and that sort of stuff. And they're really going to try to bolster the defense since the offense is now going to be a lot more negated since DeAndre left. But it'll it'll really be ex- interesting to see how Lamar goes with that. A lot of that changing, seeing mm-hmm. if he's going to be more of um, a re- or he's going to more react to it and see if he runs more, or he's going to kind of step up more like a Mahomes and change stuff and really try to change the game from the line of scrimmage. So I feel like the Ravens are going to win this game. I I will pick them. But I mean, the Texans—they—they—they they, they can they could pull out a game like this if they can consistently score. That's I really feel like they're the thing they have to do to beat a team like the Ravens. Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, last game that I'm kind of really looking forward to this Sunday to end out the week is the Patriots versus Seahawks. Oh yes, we've seen the new look for the Patriots. Cam Newton able to bring a new variable like we've talked about before um, to the Patriots offense with his run game and the Seahawks with Russell, excuse me, Russell Wilson, who, I mean, he had a little bit of a dry spell in the past couple of years, but then he was in the MVP talks last year. He's already kind of cemented his spot this year already. So, I mean, it's going to be a battle of two great quarterbacks in, especially for Cam Newton, going to be trying to make another statement showing that he's going to be able to fit in this Patriots, Patriots offense in that system. And especially his uh, relationship with Bill Belichick, but I'm just really excited to see kind of, I mean, two quarterbacks who have the same skill set really face off and who's going to be able to pull out the win. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, watching New England, it's like, 
I'm just like thinking this isn't the Patriots. Wait, what team actually? They're imposters. They're wearing the wrong uniform. It's just a it's, di- like, it's like a different. This is such a different thing we're seeing from the Patriots. I mean, looking back, Cam Newton had 75 rushing yards on 15 carries. That's a franchise record for Patriots quarterbacks <laughs> running the football. And it's his first game. His first game. And he literally is breaking franchise records for the Patriots. It just shows you how much like it's just been the aura around the Patriots. Their 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 scheme, their dynamic they've had for so long has been Tom Brady in the pocket, we're going to hand the ball off or we're going to step back in the shotgun yeah. and throw. It's just such a it's just like clockwork, you know what you're going to see Sunday after Sunday. And then now you go in this year with Cam Newton. Yeah. And now it's like, "Oh, now we got to change our whole game plan against the Patriots." And people were even doubting Bill Belichick's ability to integrate him into the system, which is absurd. He's still a high-caliber player. Yeah. Okay, for people to say that Bill Belichick isn't going to be able to utilize Cam Newton's strengths and the new variables that he brings to the offense, it makes no sense. No sense. Because Bill Belichick is arguably the best coach of all time. You can say a bunch of different things. You can oh, say Don, you can say Don Shula, uh, Bill Parcell. Those guys are in contention as well. But right now, Bill Belichick is the best coach in the game. So when like people are saying that he's not going to be able to even do anything with Cam, and he's just going to be like, okay, you're going to be like Tom Brady. You're going to sit in the pocket. You're going to step back. It makes no sense because he's been able to already been able to utilize his strengths. A way new look. People who aren't ex- the people in their conference aren't even used to seeing this from the Patriots. And they have to realize that to stop them now, they're going to have to really shape up on not only the passing, but also the rush defense as well, which is a whole new game plan for these teams going against the Patriots. Yeah, it's it's really going to be interesting to see. Like, the Patriots had 200-plus yards rushing against the Dolphins. When's the we last time that's happened? When's the last time we saw it? seen it go over 150? Oh, like my. That's, that, that's just... That's just crazy. I mean, we've never seen like that stuff. 217 yards on the ground. Cam led it with the 75. Sony Michelle had an okay hit 37. Rex Burkhead had 32. JJ Taylor, who was a like one of the guys that we were all like, whoa, who's this guy? Why is he so high on the depth chart? Like he's been, apparently been doing really well in camp. He had 28 yards. James White had 22 yards. Um, running, he had 30 yards in the air as he always does. Really well. Um, I mean, Edelman was their leading receivers with five catches and 57 yards. Nikhil Harry also had five catches. Like, I mean, when you only have to pass 15 times with Cam, especially with... His efficiency as well. His efficiency was great, and it's really good to have him not having to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game like he used to have to do sometimes because, I mean, going back to a couple years ago, when he started having shoulder problems, and then the next year the shoulder problem came back. When he had Carolina, and he had that team that was pretty much playoff bound. I believe they were six and two going into Week Eight, and then they ended up just kind of it, it ended pretty badly. It ended pretty poorly for them. But they it was just like the whole season they were on a roll and they were on a roll, and then the cam problem started surfacing, and he's starting to practice less and in the games he's starting to not make the throws, and it was just a really bad situation that pretty much he had to pretty much call it quits at the end of the season to go get surgery because his shoulder was so bad. So, I mean, it's super it's super exciting, though, to see him back in the way he is because, I mean, he's a former MVP. He's a baller. He can show us what he can do. He can lead a team. We've seen him do it before when he's healthy. It's possible. So him against Ryan Fitzpatrick will definitely be interesting. I mean, Fitzpatrick, 
in last week's game. He 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 didn't play terrible. I mean, three interceptions is obviously a, a really not a good stat line. But I mean, as far it, as far as who he's throwing to, he doesn't what are really you supposed have to anybody. do? It's just like I, even so, they were kind of feeling out Fitzpatrick and Tua and trying to see who is gonna who is gonna be able to get that starting job. But I mean, when we look at the Seahawks for who they're playing or for this matchup, I mean, Russell Wilson. He's going to be a force this week. I mean, 322 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. It, that's great. insane. I mean, especially for him being able to have three carries with 29 yards. He's almost averaging a first down every time. And if he can mm-hmm. keep that up, it's going to be two very very spread out offenses on both sides that are going to be going up against each other. And I think it's just going to be solid football to watch. It's definitely going to be a game that's played through the air. Yeah. yeah. It's, going to be, it's going to be a fun game to watch it fly for sure. I mean – as, as as long as um, Seattle can really um, take the running game aspect out, I feel like they're going to definitely have the advantage because overall, offensively, with their passing attack, it's I mean, with Cam Newton obviously brings a different aspect to it. But when you take that part out of it and you take the running game out of it for the Patriots, especially how they looked Week One, where they were really relying on the run a lot, it's really going to challenge the Patriots to see if they can throw in the air, which. In that case, I would feel like Seattle's definitely going to have an advantage. I mean, mm-hmm. um, ESPN has them at a 62% chance to win. I think that's really fair, especially at CenturyLink. It's, that's mm-hmm. a place hard to play, despite, I mean, the spectator thing. Yeah, but, I mean, still, just the just the atmosphere of being up in, in the Rockies and all of that sort of stuff. Um, it's it's definitely, when you go out west, you know, when you normally play east, it's, it's, it's a weather adjustment. I mean, when you watch teams like San Francisco going to play, the Giants or something. It's going to be a different game because, I mean, the weather and the climate is obviously going to be a little bit of a factor. But as far as, like, overall gameplay, I feel like this is going to be one of the most exciting matchups to see scheme-wise because, I mean, you got the Patriots with their their whole scheme now has changed. So now Seattle is going to definitely have to develop a different game plan after watching probably their week one film. So it'll be pretty exciting to see what they can do. And Russell Wilson, it, one of my favorite players. I mean, he's been on and off the field. He's just an absolute great guy. He can He's a, he's a baller. He can make things happen. And only on completing four passes on Sunday. Cam Newton only incompleted four passes. But when he got double the passes almost that Newton had, that really shows how efficient he was. So should be really exciting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Seahawks here. Um, being, at, being at home in their own atmosphere – and going off of that week one where they basically had to outplay the incredible offense that Atlanta had, and they still pulled it out. Like, they were getting out. Uh, I think they had, like, Atlanta had, like, 550 yards of offense, mm-hmm. 450 throwing. Mm-hmm. And the fact they still won that game with 150 less yards just shows how efficient they are and that they will score when they get opportunities. So I feel like that's going to be the big factor, and that will lead to a Seattle victory. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to take Seattle on this one. Uh, there's definitely a reason this game is scheduled for Sunday night. It's going to be a big game for both teams. Oh, yeah. Prime it's, time. it's prime time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think you're going to see big stars come out. You know, Russell Wilson's going to be there for sure. Definitely airing out the whole game. But he's got receivers like, you know, Metcalf, who, you know, unstoppable is force. He's a grown man now. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, it's a clean sweep for the Seahawks. I'm going with them as well. Russell Wilson with 31 for 35. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous stat line. Yeah, he's built the efficiency, different. He's just built different, dude. Yeah, he's just built the, different. The efficiency that he's able to have is is something else. I mean, different, we, we different breed. He he really is. I mean, we I mean we talked about Cam Newton. He went fifteen for nineteen, but for Russell to be able to throw thirty five times and to complete it thirty one out of those, 
it's that's just that's just something you can't bet against. Yeah, it'll be it it's nice to have football back as we now move over to the college side of it, which if you haven't heard already, I don't know if Big you've heard Ten your, is back, baby. You haven't turned your phone on. The Big Ten is scheduled to resume as of now. It is not officially official 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 officially yet. It's like 98%. We've heard there. about nine reports this is happening and it's going to be happening today. That the Big Ten will be starting the season the weekend of the 24th. They will be back as the revote apparently has went through, and we have definitely changed the votes. Uh, I think a couple of teams definitely sure, and mm-hmm. I know Michigan has advocated, and Ohio State has advocated so hard over the last couple of weeks and even a month, really, if you think about it. But um, Kevin Warren made the pretty much the statement that they're going to um, that um. They were going to form the return with like a they were like a task force. They're really basically the the, the kind of the summary of it is is they're going to really really be watching the health aspect of it, which mm-hmm. it makes sense, especially with COVID nineteen. They're going to be looking at enhanced stuff, daily testing, that sort of stuff, to get these guys on the field. Which I mean, I think a lot of a lot of the players will say, "We'll do whatever it takes to get on the field." Yeah. And, I mean, when you really look at it, it probably came down to the money standpoint for a lot of these teams. I mean, Michigan, they're number three in the amount of money that football makes for them. I think they said it was $193 million. And, I mean, any team in the Big Ten is probably close to that, over $150 million at least. And I feel like it probably came down to those teams saying, okay, we're going to lose this money. How, like, how are you going to get it back? How is the organization going to be able to get it back for us? Because if they don't have this sports that don't get that much publicity and sports that don't get that much funding, you're just going to have to say see you later. They're not going to be there for next year, especially if football isn't here. Yeah, I mean, it's like being at a Division two university. Like, we, we obviously aren't the Big Ten, so we're still waiting on what that decision could make of us because that could lead a string of events that may lead to the, the, the Bulldogs getting back on the field. Not saying that's going to happen whatsoever, mm-hmm. but... I mean, obviously, there's a chance. I mean, there's been a domino effect. We've seen it. I mean, when the SC or on the sorry, the ACC said they were gonna play. Big Twelve said, "Oh yeah, sure, we'll play." SEC's like, "Great, oh yeah, we're gonna play too." And now you got a, a split field. So it like the domino effect could be there. And I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see for me, um, being like on the cross country and the track team to see not only like how those programs, but the other sports, how they're gonna react, especially the ones like soccer and the ones that are only going to be played in the fall. So it'll be it'll be one of those situations that we're going to really see if that domino effect keeps going or it's just going to be, yep, everyone's satisfied with football being back. We're good. We can wait. So that'll be – I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch over the next month. Yep, and even with the chance, it's only a – eight game schedule right over the nine weeks of yeah. october this is this know. is not we're back to regular football again for abs yeah absolutely right like there's gonna be probably an eight game season conference tournament we're gonna call it a day there's no national championships that was already postponed well oh, oh, before this i believe it was in august so it'll be definitely a different season but everybody's glad to have football back and that we're gonna have a kickoff and it apparently that it was um unanimously voted to resume competition that I read, and I thought I was, I thought that was actually um, a misprint, but that is actually confirmed. That apparently everybody voted to resume competition. Every president was all in, and I know definitely from listening to uh, Jim Harbaugh and the things going on with him in Michigan's president, that apparently they weren't on the same page. So that ended up making Michigan 
there there was rumor that um Jim Harbaugh said that they were they made the decision that they were going to play. The president shut it down and said no, even in the in the Big Ten meeting in the first vote. So I, that it's nice to see now that those they're on the same page and that everything's working out, and everybody's happy again, and we can enjoy some football on Saturdays. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Michigan, it's the money standpoint. Like I said before, like they're saying, Jim Harbaugh is probably saying, okay, like you're missing out on a hun- close to two hundred million dollars for your funding. What are you going to do to get it back? So I mean that probably came down to it, especially for a lot of other schools too. So I mean it's 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 an interesting thing, especially for no national championship and no playoff. It's going to be definitely a different mindset for these teams, just fighting for those eight games where you can't slip up. You're gonna have to basically win every game for that conference championship. But I mean I'm more excited, like you said, the domino effect, where like where the SEC said yes, ACC said yes, and just teams are going down, and so- sooner or later it's going to reach us D two schools. And I'm just more excited to see what that's going to happen for the GLIAC, especially for us Bulldog football fans, and even for basketball and stuff like that that's postponed until January 1st. And even the Pac-12, too. Yeah, They haven't made a decision yet. Yeah, if we're going to be able to be back this year or if it's going to be 2021 where we're going to be able to see sports come back. But um, it's it's – I mean, it's kind of weird to be on campus, too, without sports. Um, And I don't don't understand – I just don't feel like – people in those big D1 universities that sports are so like publicized and they're such a big deal it's it must feel even weirder for them but I mean what do you guys think when yeah. you have like even Michigan State like nobody's on campus I think the whole thing is just off for Michigan State and yeah. especially Michigan too looking at what's going on over there you're offering a lot of money up just getting these sports restarted and I think the hardest part about restarting these sports is the revote. Yeah, because mm-hmm. when you have the first vote was eleven to three. Yeah, and so you need like six teams to change their mind there. It, it yeah, I mean, like I said, money. That's that's probably the main factor of it is for all these students who are probably gonna have to pay a lot more in tuition next year to make up for it because when football, hopefully football comes back, it was probably came down to okay, the student well being is kind of in trouble now because they're gonna be paying a lot more money for something that we could pretty easily come back from uh for over a couple years but it's still going to be coming down to whether like rates are going to change what's going to happen for different universities too and like sports and programs and stuff like that so but of course I, as soon as these sports come back too people are going to pay top dollar to oh yeah I, I know that mm-hmm. yeah but that, it's that it's, is a big factor yeah, especially looking at how much money like michigan like big michigan michigan state could be losing from because i mean when you think about the the that you could say even the industry of college football yeah. you got the people that are doing all of the merchandise sale, concessions, tickets, all the fundraisers that are always there, all of the um, alumni supporting the boosters that you're losing to help support the program that when they're that can help like get this going. But the thing is is how those are gonna respond, like we're gonna probably be talking about if they're gonna have spectators, which can dampen concessions, dampen ticket sales. So they're going to have to find a way to really figure this out. And it's going to be really, really interesting, like you said, Joe. Like, this is going to be to see how they are going to make this happen and stay financially stable. There's going to have to be made, changes made in order to keep going. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I mean to close out kind of my point, it's going to – I feel like it's going to – I'm just more worried for the other organizations on that campus that rely on the extra money that football brings in, like – I mean, different departments for your major and stuff like that. Because, I mean, I guarantee you, like, the even different sports, like swimming and diving, that probably doesn't bring in that much money just for any school or, I don't know, like volleyball or something like that, that 
doesn't really make too much money. And they rely on that sports budget that football brings in so much money for. I'm, I just don't understand how people would be against it, especially if you're an athlete for a different sport. Yeah, it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be something we're gonna keep watching and we're gonna keep you guys informed on. Is we're really, I mean, this came out at pretty much seven, eight o'clock this morning, so we're really still trying to figure out the full aspect of it. And this hasn't been officially been announced yet by the NCAA or um, any or the Big Ten conference. As I know, I I don't think Warren has really said anything since about this has happened. This has all been reported by I believe the um, a journal in Milwaukee was the one that really broke it. But um, and even you could even say Nebraska kind of spilled the beans um, last or last night I believe it was at a at a I don't know I don't know what it, I know it was like some sort of like um, I, it was some sort of gathering like a, a ceremony or something where um, they actually had the mic on and I think it was I think it was their president or somebody that um, they were talking to somebody and it's like yeah it's, we're about to announce um, that the Husker football is going to come back pretty or come back. And I'm more like, I was like, whoa, 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 hold the f- time out, time out, time out. That's what did you move. just say? Can you say that again? Did you just say that the big 10 is coming back? And then everything just went ballistic a, from there. It was a hot mic moment. I mean, yeah. Hot mic moment. Drop they're the gonna, mic. They're going to fire the sound operator after that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who's whoever's running that, that microphone is going to be in trouble, but, and I think the funniest part of that story was like, the president actually said that the comments were taken out of context. Yeah, and it's like, dude, what's, what's it was out of, what's out of ton context what, of Husker football? Career? You literally said it on a mic in front of everybody that heard you. I don't know how you. I don't know. The Big Ten's gonna revote football. He was set it up. Was out of context. He was set up. Oh, okay. He was set up. Okay. I I don't know. I mean, there's about how many that have confirmed this, but. As we now move away from football, as you guys are probably so bored and listening to talk to us about football, we there was some NBA and some other sports that actually went on over the last couple 24 hours, so including a big shocker, and I mean like big shocker, the Denver Nuggets pulled off what was considered to be impossible. They came back from a 3-1 deficit. They pulled off a 2016 Cleveland. They did. They beat the Clippers last night to shut out the series and send Denver to the conference finals in the Western Conference. They won 104-89. to And I know that I know us three have all seen what Stephen A. said, and I think he really summed it up pretty well by the fact that saying Lakers blew this. Sorry, Lakers. Haha, <laughs> Clippers blew this. Definitely. I mean, Q and I were talking about it a little bit before. Kawhi and Paul George, they really didn't score at all in the fourth quarter. They kind of, And, I mean, especially for that big of a loss, 104-89, to 89, you really got to blame Kawhi and Paul George, especially for them two being the big two in that team. I mean, don't get me wrong, Denver's extremely good. Nikola Jokic probably averages a triple-double right now. There's, there's usually not a day or a game that he doesn't get at least, like, 20 points. And he really just... He basically he doesn't carry that team, but he's one of the main contributors for them. But when the main contributors for the Clippers, Kawhi, if he just if he only gets fourteen points in forty three minutes, I mean that it's a recipe it's a recipe for disaster. Oh yeah, when you see both, you know, Paul George and Kawhi only go eleven or zero for eleven in the fourth quarter alone, you know, you're not hitting any shots, and that's you know your main scoring. That's your offense right there. How are you gonna win the game? Oh yeah. How are you gonna win the game? Like that you just like I mean. How how does your best players should when, combine when Pat, ten of when Pat 38. Beverly outscores Paul George? Yeah, that's not good. And almost outscores Kawhi. That's not good. It's when Jamal Murray has more points than Paul George and Kawhi combined. 
that's that's a not that's good. not great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are not playing basketball the way you should be. I think Jamal Murray had like forty. Going yeah, to he had forty, 40 points, yeah. forty-five minutes. That's that's efficiency at its finest. He was on fire. He was absolutely lighting it up. I oh, mean, yeah. sixteen of thirteen from three, including the basically the the known dagger, like step back fadeaway over yeah. Kawhi. Pretty much, that was the moment we all knew. Yep, they're they're really in serious. Tr- this is really happening. I mean, Stephen Stephen A. said it best when playoff P wasn't even there. He yep. hasn't he hasn't even been here since Indiana. I mean, it's something that it's something that he needs to fix, especially if he wants to spend more time in Cli- in the in the Clippers organization. Because I remember people were saying, "Oh yeah, this is the Clippers year." Last time they had this chance was when Lob City was around, and for a lot of the fans that I know that are fans of the Clippers, it's heartbreak for them because they were very confident about it. But it's, I mean, it's really you got to chalk up this loss to Kawhi and Paul. Yeah, you if you're if you're the Clippers right now, like you're you're probably going to definitely be reconsidering how this organization is going to be going forward. Obviously, but I mean, when you look at the guys that you have there, you have a great group there. I mean, really, I think Zubac or Zubac, how how you pronounce that? I apologize, but however you pronounce his Pretty name, sure there's their big guy, their center. Is that some? Is that going to be a position you're going to address in the offseason? Because Zubac is a great player. I mean, even when I said about Beverly, we're talking about him outscore. That's not not being disrespectful to Patrick Beverly's offense. He's a defensive-minded guy. He does not go for buckets. But when he gets more than the offensive-minded guys, then that's that, that, that's in trouble. Especially when you have 38 shots and you'll make 10 of them. So it's like when is this going to be a position that they're going to target in the draft? Are they going to be? trading up for like a James Wiseman I mean these things are all on the table or they could be going out and looking for free agents and for sure so it's going to be interesting how the Clippers are going to change the roster because obviously what they what they had didn't get it done I mean mm-hmm. it, they and there was definitely picks that they were going to make it all the way to the finals we we're going to I mean how many times have we talked about Lakers Clippers this is the team these are the two teams we're going to see we've been talking about this since the season restarted like this is, and even even before that, we were talking. Oh yeah, this is gonna be an LA showdown in the Western Conference Finals. See who, who's gonna go play. This is one of the Eastern Conference teams. So it's it's gonna be interesting. And I mean, shout out to Denver for playing amazing team basketball because that's really what won them out at the end. I mean, Jamal Murray mm-hmm. went ballistic and Nikola was great. But those guys, I mean, like watching their game, passing the ball, finding open guys, and just having the Clippers not closing anything out. They couldn't put the ball in the hole. They could not just. They couldn't get anything to go right in crunch time, and those are things you need to get right, especially when you want to be a team that can win the finals. So it's where we're. I mean, looking at the Denver, looking at Denver against the Lakers, it's gonna be almost like what we were looking for for the Clippers. So now are we considering the Nuggets gonna be beating the Lakers? Honestly, I feel like the Nuggets have a really good chance. Because when you kind of match it up to stuff, of course Jamal Murray is going to have a lot tougher time because I feel like the Lakers' defense is a little bit better. They have a couple more veterans on the team um, for the Lakers, at least with like Rajon Rondo, um, LeBron, obviously. JaVale McGee is a pretty – is. I mean, he's not as good as Nikola Jokic, but I feel like he could post a little bit more of a threat than Zubac did. And I feel like they're going to have a lot tougher of a time. But I don't think they're going to – I don't think it's going to be like a 3-1 type deal that the Clippers just had. I feel like it's going to be like one game to one, like, and then they're just going to keep going. It's going to be a hard-nosed battle through. I think it's going to go to a game seven, but honestly, I feel like the Nuggets have a pretty good chance, but this is going to be their toughest matchup yet. Yeah, I would certainly agree that the Nuggets are going to be I, – I, 
like they the the matchup that they have with the Clippers is much more favorable and much more um, defendable than the the Lakers have because mm-hmm. I mean the Lakers have Anthony Davis and LeBron and the only big guy for the Nuggets you really have that can make a really big impact is obviously the Joker. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul Millsap's there, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to – you're not going to rely on him to outscore Anthony Davis. That's just that's just not a realistic expectation for him. So, I I mean, right now we everyone's going to probably say, oh, the Lakers got this. But, I mean, we said that about the Clippers, and even some people said that about the Jazz. They believe the Jazz were going to wop the floor with the Nuggets, and look, they're still here. Yeah, they're still, they're still puttering along, and yep. it's going to be something else. But, I mean – well, I'm looking most forward to is how a young Eastern Conference oh is going to be able to shape up against either one of these teams. That game last or last night was absolutely phenomenal. That was an incredible game. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been a Heat guy this whole playoffs. You, I, people can trace it back to a couple episodes ago. I mean, I'm a big fan of Jimmy Butler and what he's been able to do so far, being able to mold into that leader on the Heat team, especially on a young Heat team, and be able to mold this, mold this team. When they played the Celtics, I feel like they the Celtics just didn't have what they needed to have to beat the Heat, especially with Bam Adebayo. I don't think that he really had anyone to really hold him down, especially on the defensive side. And Jay Crowder as well. He's been able to kind of mold into this Heat team as uh, pretty well. And Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, two young guys who can shoot the lights out. I mean, it's just a recipe for success. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm. I mean, looking at that that game coming down to three points and. Like the obviously the thing all over social media was Bam's block, which was quoted by Magic Johnson as one of the greatest blocks of all time in playoff history. To his concern, which I mean that's saying something. Magic's been in some pretty incredible finals matches, so I mean the Heat played. I mean I Joe like you're you're what you've been talking about the Heat. It's been absolutely accurate. This team is one of the best teams we've seen. They're hot. They've played phenomenal. Bam's been great. Bam was second on in plus-minus in the whole game. Um, the only person he trailed, which was Goran Dragic. Once again, I'll say it again, very underrated guy. He's done everything Definitely. for them. Like those guys and then Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler kind of had a little bit of I wouldn't call it like a an off night per se, but he wasn't as involved as normally as he is. Like Jay Crowder had more points than him. And when you got guys that you're not requiring on Jimmy to really like put – put the game on his back and really carry them. That's going to be nice, especially for when you're, you're you're in the middle of the series starting to labor a little bit and you can start to give him more opportunities. But I think one thing that a little bit gave the the, the Celtics a hard time, they couldn't hit the three ball as well. Miami was red hot from three-point range. I mean, Drogic made three. Crowder made five out of nine. Duncan was only two of seven, and he will definitely be picking that up towards the end of the series as he's kind of been on a little bit of a – it's it's, That was an off day for yeah, him. Yeah, it was an off day for him. And for some of us, it's like, yeah, that's, that's the best game I would ever have in, like, high school or anything. But, yeah, he's just doing that in the NBA. It's all good. But, I mean, the Celtics didn't shoot great from three-point. I believe they're 35%. Um, they, I mean, Tatum was four of 12. He's not, he's going to make more. He's, he struggled a little bit last night. Kemba Walker was one of nine. That's, that's a low, that's a, that's an off night for Kemba Walker. We could say that for sure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with those guys, Marcus Smart was, had 26 points. He was fantastic. If he can keep that up, Jalen Brown could keep up his and Kemba bounces back to his normal self. This Celtics team is definitely going to give the heat a run for their money, despite how hot they are right now. Yeah, I mean, and especially when you look at the bench too, Tyler Harrow, 
has 12 points and 11 rebounds, being a very big defensive presence. The only one on the on the Celtics that really had that was Jason Tatum, and he's been the guy that has been one of their main aspects of their focus for basically this whole year and the whole time he's been in the league. And these two very young teams who are playing like veterans right now, it's it's something that makes the fans go crazy because it's such a such an eventful and incredible game to watch. But it also just makes you think about whether they're going to be able to really have that veteran mindset against the Lakers and the Nuggets too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big thing for the Heat is just, you know, Jimmy's leadership, you know, for as many playoff appearances as he's made, mm-hmm. you know, from the Bulls, you know, straight up just going, you know, and playing with yeah. Miami. He's and especially a, he's how a much big doubt leader. they've had for how many people doubted him going from team to team when he w- didn't fit in Minnesota, when he didn't fit in Philadelphia, and finally when he came when he came to the Heat, people had their doubts too. Oh yeah, and he definitely knows how to put the team on his back. He hits big shots and big moments. Just a big time player. Yeah. yeah, I really feel like the one thing that the people are taking for granted for the Heat is, despite how young they are, they're playing in the these playoffs like veterans. They know exactly what they need to do day in and day out. Where we see teams like. The Jazz, for example, one of the youngest rosters in the league, and they kind of burned out against the Nuggets. Um, so when you see the Heat doing so well as they are, they really look like they're almost like that Laker team. They're they're made of a bunch of veterans. They know what they got to do, and they're just playing the game the best. Like yeah, they're playing the best they can each and every night, and they're not really having off nights when one guy's off and another guy picks it up. So it's it's really a great situation. I mean. You're, we're really excited to see how the end of the series comes out because I'm banging stuff all over the table right now. But we're, it's going to be a really fun series. This is the series I'm much more looking forward to than the Nuggets and Lakers. Not saying mm-hmm. that's not going to be a good series, but, I mean, these two teams right now, the way they've been playing, game one went to OT. That, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what does. Yeah, it's going to come down to which team can last the most, um, especially if, our, like you said, game one going to OT – it's going to take a tax. It's going to be very taxing on their bodies and on their stamina. And it's going to come down to who can get the most rest in their day off, who can come back ready to play, even fight through the soreness, fight through that fatigue that they're going to be feeling probably close to the second half. If, if they're being able to push through that and if they're being able to kind of bulldoze their way through just all those obstacles that come through this, come through a tough series, whichever team does that has the win. Yep. It's going to be an exciting series as. We are now going to officially have to wrap up this episode. Big sad. Yeah. It's all right. It was such a fun <laughs> time. Right. But Q, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, yeah, You're no a problem. great guest. We'll, we'll look forward to have you on again. Um, if you want to be a guest, you know what to do. Literally, I said at the beginning of the podcast, follow us on Twitter. Send us a message. We'll get you We'll get you here. I we'll, think I got on. Yeah. <laughs> How'd Q get on? Like, be, If you want to be like Q, you know what to do. And that doesn't mean go up and like hurt Q and take his spot that doesn't count but Joe Q it was a great time Joe once again day in the office right great day to be in the studio always good very happy first day in the studio thanks for having me yep (laughs) (laughs) no problem and we will get back to our our side joke telling off air as we will now exit sadly but thank you guys and we will see you next week take care everybody